Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. They're doing it again, folks. They are doing it again. Again, waking up every morning as a liberal looking in the mirror must be deeply disturbing knowing your life is a lie. Huh. It's a lie, a fabrication, a Teddy Ruxpin fairy tale, an Aesop's fable, a made-up myth, uh, Roman Greek mythology. It's a joke. Oh, boy, it gets old. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today, my friend? Yeah, again, with the lies on this thundering Thursday. Again, with the lies. <laughs> the, always, <laughs> hey, dude, you're always so dramatic. He cracks me up. <laughs> Joe, really? Joe was a performer, you could tell, at one point in his at life when point. he was a big-time rock and roller. We need some pictures of that on the oh, show, by the way. Oh, I want it. a Joe Armacost rock and roll picture, Blonde, man. curly hair. Bring that. The audience would go crazy over that. Yeah, they would love that. All right, I got a stacked show for you today. I'm going to open up with a video that's going to disturb you. Uh-huh. I had a tip to a uh, Francis Brennan for putting it together, proving to you conclusively, again, that the liberals' new myth, remember it was Russian collusion, then it went on yeah. to uh, racism, Trump's a racist. Now it's moving on to the fake recession they're trying to create, oh, yeah. proving to you it's a myth. I also have, yeah, it's good, the three yeah. R's, we'll call them, and it's not reading, writing, and arithmetic, right? I also want to move on to some damning information about what the FBI is up to now that it's going to really blow your mind. I want to explain to you why they're doing it. All right, let's get right to it. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at Proactive. Proactive, listen, school's coming back. School's already started, actually, for my kids. But breakouts don't have to. Parents, wouldn't it be great to get your kids clear skin confident? Nobody wants their kids with with acne. It's pain. Listen, I had it when I was a kid. It's tough. It's tough to deal with. As a parent, nothing is worse than seeing your kids go back to school not feeling their best. And having acne as a teen is a struggle, and it can be a major cause of anxiety. Obviously, everybody sees your face. With America's number one acne brand, Proactive has helped fight acne for almost 25 years. Now, with their next generation acne treatment system, Proactive MD has your kids going back to school feeling their best. Proactive MD contains Adapalene, which is the newest acne-fighting innovation made available to over-the-counter consumers uh, in, in over 30 years. It's the, this is really, really good stuff. My daughter absolutely loves it. Matter of fact, here's the deep cleansing. Notice this is, it's got a dent in it yeah. because it's my daughter's. I told my <laughs> wife, that's how much she loves it. In case you think, I didn't just squeeze this out before no. the show. I said, go get Isabel's. That's how much we love this stuff. We use it in our house. We used it before they were a sponsor too. So uh, they've been around a while. Adapalene is a dermatologist recommended topical retinoid used in the treatment of mild to moderate acne. It's the first prescription, prescription strength retinoid that's FDA approved for use in treating acne without a prescription. Ladies and gentlemen, Proactive MD. It'll include a prescription strength retinoid, goes deep into the pores to help prevent acne, benzoyl peroxide free acne fighting system. This is a trusted and effective system. It's safe and effective. This three step system will get you and your teen ready for the new year. Look at this. We got the oil absorber, green tea moisturizer. We got all of it. Deep cleansing, face wash. uh, And you got the Adapalene gel, which is terrific. Yeah. Right now, for our listeners, we have a back-to-school offer from Proactive. You can't get anywhere else. With your Proactive MD order, you'll get also free Proactive's on-the-go bag, which features their T-Zone oil absorber, body acne wipes, and green tea moisturizer, close to $100 value, plus free shipping with a 60-day money-back guarantee. You won't need it. So don't wait and go to Proactive.com slash Bongino to get the special offer. Again, Proactive. P-R-O-A-C-T-I-V dot com slash Bongino. Uh, order and make your kids' first day back to school their best ever. Proactive.com slash Bongino. All right, let's go. Yeah. 
Nice. Man, I just can't get that right. My coordination's awful. It's me getting old. Okay, so story number one. Let me just play this video. Um, Again, I told you the three R's. Keep the three R's in mind. You'll understand what's going on right now. The Democrats have completely belly flopped on their fake Russian collusion charge. Now, as indicated by the New York Times in uh, in a leaked memo, the New York Times is now moving on to another hoax that Trump is a racist hoax. And then they're also going to move on to the other R, the fake recession hopes. They want a recession, the New York Times and others. So to advance this Trump is a racist false narrative, they're going to continue to lie to your face. Here is a damning piece of video. Again, hat tip at Francis Brennan on Twitter. A damning piece of video of Joe Biden laying out a charge. A completely false charge. And I want you to watch. It's about a minute and a half. I want you to watch and listen to the video and audio afterwards of the charge being completely rebutted. But no one in the media, of course, will hold Joe Biden to account. Check this video out. David Duke, head of the Ku Klux Klan, former head of the Klan. When that group came out of the woods, carrying the fields, carrying those torches, he said, quote, that's why we voted for Donald Trump. He said he would take the country back. And the white nationalist, Richard Spencer, he hailed Trump. He said, this is the white nationalism we've been looking for. Did you hear him condemn either one of those people? Ever utter a word of condemnation? I totally disavow the Ku Klux Klan. I totally disavow David Duke. When you say the party is self-destructing, what do you see as the biggest problem with the Reform Party right now? Well, you've got David Duke just joined a bigot, a racist, a problem. I mean, this is not exactly the people you want in your party. So are you prepared right now to make a clear and unequivocal statement renouncing the support of all white supremacists? Of course I am. Of course I am. What do I have to reject? I've rejected David Duke, rejected David Duke. Uh, I've rejected the uh, KKK, the Ku Klux Klan. About the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists because they should be condemned totally. All right. Change those batteries, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. Thank you. 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 You're good, you. <laughs> you. I can't stand Robert De Niro, but you. <laughs> you. Miss. Did I miss something? I, I mean, you. Would, this is my problem with the media. Listen, my problem, uh, candidly, is not with Joe Biden. You may say, what do you mean? He's a liar. Joe Biden's a liar. Yeah. He's a liar. Like every liberal Democrat politician that lies to you about fairy tale economics, socialism, they're just liars. That's what you expect. They're yeah. power hungry yeah. lunatics like Joe Biden. Yeah. Oh, Uncle Joe. He's not my uncle. I didn't have any uncle. I had uncles that actually worked for a living. Not like Uncle Joe who's never had a real job outside of politics. Okay. Uncle Joe is a liar. He's a lying lunatic who's who's fumbling and bumbling through his campaign. Sleepy, low energy Joe, yeah. lion Joe, Ukraine Joe, China Joe, with all of these connections to these countries and his son and these shady deals. Corrupt Joe, swamp rat Joe, mm. lion Joe. Obama takes a shower Joe. Remember Joe, that one that we were oh. talking about with me before the show? Oh, yeah. Obama, he's the first yes. candidate we have who's African American and clean. clean. What the heck does that mean? He takes a shower? Like, what What are you, some kind of a racist? Mm. That's the. Let me get this straight, Joe. That's yeah. the first black man you've met that you think is, quote, clean? His words, not mine. Oh. I could introduce you oh. to quite a few. I promise you. That's the first black man you've met you think is clean? How do you interpret that any other way? Yeah. 
Joe Biden is an idiot. So, but but I'm not mad at Joe for being an idiot because I, it's just what I expect. Right. I know that may sound bad, but it's true. I, you, but you can't be disappointed when your expectations are are nil. Right. <laughs> right. I mean. Right. Like, I know Joe Armacost and his work product. Yeah. If Joe were to send me over a podcast with awful audio, because my expectations are, I'd be like, Joe, what did you do? But if I'm working with Joe, Joe's terrible and we have no money, which he's not, uh-huh. and I have to pay a, a low-budget producer who really doesn't know what they're doing, and my expectations are low and I get uh, usable but crappy audio, I'm not disappointed. That's what I expected. Uh, yes. I expected crappy audio from Biden, and that's exactly what you get. Why I'm disappointed, why I'm bringing this up is not to just pile on crappy lion Biden, but he's a liar. He's a liar. I love the media to, oh, he's engaging in misinformation. No, he's a liar. He's a liar. He knows what he's saying is false. What I'm mad at is the media. Yeah. Because this, um, at Francis Brennan on Twitter, probably did a basic Google search, found this, this video's right there for everyone to see of Trump renouncing the Ku Klux Klan, racism, David Duke. Anybody can see. It's not altered video. And they just pretend it doesn't happen. The New York Times, the Washington Post, we're going to report on every lie Donald Trump tells. Okay, fine. What about the lies Biden's told? Over and over and over. Folks, it's pathetic. It is pathetic. It is so sad to watch what once was, well, not in my lifetime, but maybe prior to my lifetime, what was a semi-reputable field in journalism entirely collapse into conspiracy theory, basically blogging. That's all this is now. You're not going to hold Biden to account for saying that yesterday, knowing the evidence is clear that he is absolutely categorically lying and making it up. Outrageous. Yeah. Outrageous. All right, I can spend all day on this, but I'm going to move on. Hey, by the way, quick shout out. A friend of mine asked me to uh, uh, to mention this, and I I've, I, I really want to because we share some work history in common, let's say. Our friend Eric Littlejohn, get better, man. Um, I heard you're a listener to the show. I know you're struggling right now. Uh, I'm not going to mention what, but uh, it's a medical thing, and God bless you, brother. We'll be praying for you, folks. Eric Littlejohn, so friend of a friend. We share some work history together. We get your struggles, so uh, I want to make sure I brought that up. Um, all right, moving on, because this is an important story. Ladies and gentlemen, this, this again, the Spygate thing is blowing wide open right now for a number of... Hold on, i got to move this fan. Yeah, I'm getting a little hot in here, so I was blowing my stuff all over the place, but it's, you know, I always need to have the temperature like it's 65 degrees. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I just saw that thing that, what is it, they're putting out, sleep under your air conditioner at 82 degrees. Yeah, okay, yeah, sure. Right, I put it at 68 me. with the fan huh. on. What are you guys? Yeah, exactly. What are you guys, nuts? So Tom Fitton put this tweet out yesterday, and I want to explain to you what's going on behind the scenes, why this matters to you, and what the FBI is really hiding. Christopher Ray, head of the FBI, has been a total disaster uh, since his appointment, right? So Tom Fitton from Judicial Watch, he's at Tom Fitton on Twitter. Christopher Ray wants the FBI to stall until well after the next presidential election before completing the release of the emails and texts between corrupt FBI officials Peter Stroke and Lisa Page. 26 months? That's how long they want after the election. For 13,000 pages, Donald Trump should order the FBI to comply with law and stop the stonewalling. Ladies and gentlemen, what's going on here? Now, those texts in the specific time period I'm referring to, um, they're not necessarily the same batches. But what is the FBI hiding? What's going on behind the scenes? I want to hat tip my buddy 279, one of my sources on this. But folks, it's clear now. 
that the time period of December of 2016 up and until the appointment of Bob Mueller in May of 2017, that time period, ladies and gentlemen, is critical. Why? That's the time period that suspiciously we have had a difficult time acquiring the texts and emails of FBI investigator investigating the Trump spygate thing, Peter Stroke and his FBI lawyer girlfriend who was involved in this at the management level too, Lisa Page. We can't get those texts. The FBI is claiming all kinds of technical problems. Uh, Mueller's team, oh, we don't know what happened to them. We don't know what happened to that time period. Why are they hiding those texts? What are I? What do I think they're hiding? It's becoming clear yesterday in light of these Bruce Orr 302s. Folks, here's the long and short of it. I want to put up for you first an Epic Times, Times piece. This is by an Epic Times piece by Nick Short. Spit it out, Dan. And I'll, maybe this will make some sense. The Epic Times did John Brennan perjure himself in denying use of the Steele dossier by Nick Short, August 8th, 2019. There's a quote from this that is, is damning. Here's John Brennan up on the Hill giving some testimony and asked specifically about his use of Steele's information. And remember, I want you to keep this December to May time period in mind. Okay. From the Epic Times piece, Trey Gowdy asks him, John Brennan, under oath, do you know if the FBI ever relied on the Steele dossier as any part of any court filings, applications, petitions, or pleadings? Brennan, I have no awareness. Nick Short goes on, what is even more telling is Brennan's outright denial that the CIA ever relied on the Steele dossier and that it was, quote, not in any way used as the basis for the intelligence community assessment that was done. Gowdy asked Brennan, did the CIA rely on it? Talking about the dossier. Mr. Brennan, no. Folks, here's the problem. Christopher Steele, who is putting together this information for the FBI and the CIA and the Clinton campaign, He's being paid by the Clinton campaign to gin up this information. He's a UK, a former UK spy who's now in private business. He's being paid for this. We know he hates Donald Trump. We know his motivations are political. How do we know that? Because he's already told the FBI his goal is to not get Donald Trump elected. At some point, he starts piping information into the FBI right around late fall, winter of 2016. What's the problem with that? The problem is the information he's piping to the FBI is obviously false. We've seen it. He wrote it down in the dossier. The information is incorrect. The charges aren't true, ladies and gentlemen. Now, as we know from John Solomon's article yesterday, he has sources indicating that, and I have sources too, again, hat tip to my guy, that the FBI may have been reciprocating and giving information to Steele too. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is a big problem. Here's what I think is going on. Here's how I tie it to the December-May time period and John Brennan. I think, the and they, I write this again in my second book, this is kind of the spy story told in narrative format rather than my first book, Spygate, which is more of a kind of a police file story. Folks, there's a cabal of people, former Intel people, and having talked with my source this morning, the best way to explain it is when you leave whatever profession you have in law enforcement or intel, you don't really leave, ladies and gentlemen. In other words, like I left the Secret Service and afterwards there is a, a group of people, former Secret Service agents and managers, and they basically run security for some of the biggest firms. It's not a bad thing. It's just they have expertise and companies hire them. Banks hire them. Mm -hmm. Celebrities hire them. 
uh, you know, uh, executives hire them for security and their investigative expertise. Those group of Secret Service agents, they talk to each other. It's not some formal, you know, uh, you know, thing meant to be evil or pernicious. It just is. It's a contact network. They, they, you know, they talk to LinkedIn and emails. The same thing happens in the intel community. Follow me here. In the intel community, when you are working there as an upper-level manager, the CIA, the NSA, you keep contacts, foreign contacts, yeah. domestic contacts. These people leave. They they do what Steele does. They create their own private businesses where they leverage their former intel contacts. And what do they do? They provide intel then to the business world. Okay. You digging? Yeah, I'm a CIA guy. I leave. I retire. I'm a former CIA guy. I start Bongino Intel. Yeah. And then businesses hire me to get intel. A business is open in a shop in Indonesia. They want some intel on what the environment is like over there. So who are you going to go to? You're going to go to the CIA guy, a former guy who has his own business, who then contacts his former contacts in Indonesia and says, hey, can you give me some stuff? Mm-hmm. Folks, mm, untoward a little bit, maybe. But it's just the way things work. How does this relate to what's going on now and why Christopher Ray is hiding these texts and emails? It's now becoming clear that a cabal of former Intel people and active Intel people who all know each other, Christopher Steele, former British spy working for Hillary, Richard Dearlove, former head of the British Intel Service who's, who knows Steele, who vouches for Steele, Vlekishov, I would say his first name, Trubnikov, a Russian former spy directly connected to Putin. There's no former spies in Russia, ironically, but you get the point. Who teaches a class with, um, uh, with, with Halper. Who knows dear love? Who knows Steele? Mm. This is a network of former Intel community people. Steele, dear love, Halper, Trebnikov, who clearly at this point, these charges originate within that small group of Intel people. Steele becomes the face of those charges. Those charges are written down in the form of the Steele dossier, which becomes the FISA warrant. Okay. To spy on Trump. Mm -hmm. The question now becomes, what was ground zero for those charges? Now, I think it's clear that a lot of it comes from Glenn Simpson, who writes the who wrote the movie script article in 2007 in the Wall Street Journal, where he talks about some of the same players in the dossier. So, in other words, although Steele's the public face of the charge, he has to be because he's a he's a verified source with the FBI okay. from working with them before. He has to be the guy. I believe the charges do not originate exclusively with Steele. A lot of them come from Simpson, his Wall Street Journal movie script. Simpson's a wife who at one point acknowledges on her Facebook page that Simpson is the one who took down Trump. She says it in a roundabout kind of way. She deletes the post later. Mm-hmm. But I don't believe it only came from Simpson. I believe a lot of this information may have originated within that cabal, and that cabal may have been getting some information from our own upper-level intel people. Think about that. Think about what I just told you. (sighs) Intel used to spy on a presidential campaign a transition, and an administration is not coming from a verified source, Christopher Steele, as the FBI is swearing to in their FISA warrant. This all came from Steele. Some of it, ladies and gentlemen, may have been originating from our own people. 
the FBI and intelligence folks. Now it is that Epic Times, the transcript of John Brennan, him distancing himself from Steele, make a little bit more sense. Hmm. Now, hmm. I want you to think about something. Mm-hmm. I know this is going to be a little confusing today, and I'm, I got to move on. And it makes I had a lot more to get to, but this is critical because it goes back to again how we opened up the segment. What is the FBI hiding in these emails and texts? Okay. Lisa Page, the FBI lawyer who's intimately involved in this whole case, she's having an affair with Stroke, the lead investigator, FBI investigator, is up on Capitol Hill and is asked at one point under oath if she's aware that Steele may have been, his information may have made its way to the CIA too. She says, I would be shocked by that. Ladies and gentlemen, she, I don't think she's lying. Steele and the CIA and this small group of people Brennan may, knows and is working with, uh-huh. I believe are engaging in a two-way street. Steele gives them something. They give Steele something. Steele gives it to Halper. Halper gives it back to Steele. Steele feeds it back to the FBI. It somehow winds up in a document. What's the a, a document to spy on the Trump team? What's the problem with that? Ladies and gentlemen, it's never designed to be a two-way street. The source is supposed to be providing information himself. Now, how does this relate to the text and the December to May time period? Because it's clear that the only way to spy on the Trump team is to produce probable cause to go in front of a FISA court that someone on the Trump team, you have to produce two things is working on behalf of a foreign agent and is doing so in violation with U S law. You have to produce evidence amounting to probable cause that this is happening. Ladies and gentlemen, they don't have any evidence. All they have are the allegations that Steele puts his name on. Right. Now, that may have flown in the original FISA in um, in October where they swear to it and say, okay, we got this information from Steele. Ladies and gentlemen, they renewed it three times. Showing you they didn't have anything else, they go back to Steele after he's fired by the FBI and deemed not suitable for use through Bruce Orr. They use Bruce Orr, a DOJ official, to reconnect to Steele after they fired him. Why? Because they have to renew the FISA three more times with new, 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 new information. They can't just recycle the old stuff. What's the problem, Joe? They don't have any new information. They've only got Steele and the cabal of Intel people that are feeding him stuff, and he's feeding it back. So they tell Orr, go reconnect with Steele. It's all they have. Do you understand why the renewals are so devastating? They already know Steele's information is garbage. It's already been discredited. What is the time period Steele, who's been fired by the FBI, what is the time period he reconnects? During his interviews with Bruce Orr, December of 2016, all the way through May. Conveniently, the same time period, the texts and emails of Stroke, the FBI investigator, and Lisa Page have poof, disappeared. Ladies and gentlemen, is it just possible that those two are emailing each other about the continued use of an already fired, terminated source, laundering his information, steal that is, through Bruce Orr, and that they're openly questioning if this information has any bones on it at all as they're swearing it's true to a court three times? From December 
all the way through June of the next year? Why is Christopher Ray hiding this? Folks, this was a sophisticated information laundering scheme. Information is being passed, it seems clear at this point, from either our FBI or Intel community to steal or people in his small cabal of former Intel people that network with each other, Trebnikov, Dearlove, Steele, Halper. It's then being fed back through the public face of it, Steele, public at least investigatively, the investigators, mm-hmm. not public to all of us at the time. Because he's the only guy who's worked with the FBI and to be deemed credible. He's then fired for leaking to the media. And then because they have nothing else to reestablish probable cause, they bring him back in in this December to May period where conveniently the texts and emails have disappeared. Folks, this was a parallel construction scheme from the start. It is transparently obvious at this point. Page is confused about Steele being a source for the CIA because she's hearing information from the CIA that mirrors what Steele is saying. Why is she hearing information from the intelligence agency that mirrors what Steele is saying? Because it's Steele's information. She just doesn't know it. Your neighbor tells you Joe robbed the bank. Mm -hmm. Your other neighbor tells you, did you hear Joe robbed the bank? Another neighbor, did you hear Joe robbed the bank? You're pretty convinced Joe robbed the bank. What's the problem? It all started with a fourth neighbor who hates Joe, made up the rumor that Joe robbed the bank and told the three other neighbors. <laughs> yeah. You get it? Yeah. It all originated with this two-way street, this cabal, Steele, the dear love folks, Hannigan, these Intel folks, foreign Intel people who are making all of this up. devastating, devastating stuff. And now it explains why Ray is hiding all of this. I guarantee you, I guarantee you when this becomes public, they're going to find those texts and emails. I guarantee you, you are going to see exchanges between the lead investigator stroke and page where they are publicly questioning the information Steele's providing through or repeatedly saying this can't be true. And they're going into court and swearing it's true. No doubt in my mind anymore. Again, hat tip to 279. Always on the ball. All right, folks. Today's show also brought to you by our buddies at iTarget Pro. iTarget Pro. Folks, if you're going to own a firearm, two things matter. One, you obviously have to be safe with it. We all know that. But you want to be proficient as well. God forbid you have to use that firearm in a situation to protect your life or the life of your family. It is imperative that you're accurate. We had a line in my prior line of work that you were accountable for every round. Well, folks, you're going to be in this street as well. God forbid you're involved in a situation. You have to defend yourself. You better be accurate with that firearm. Proficiency matters. Well, what's the way to get proficient? Well, we all know you can go to the range, and the range is great, and you should go to the range, but it's not always practical. Range costs money. Sometimes they're not located close to your home. Um, there are other times the range, you got you know, you, you can't get there. You're just busy. You got to clean your firearm. Folks, I've got the solution for you. It's the iTarget Pro system. It's the first dry fire training system to combine smartphone technology with the industry's best laser round. Using your smartphone, the app tracks a laser round, which fits into the firearm you have now. You don't have to make any manipulations. You don't have to buy any special barrels. The firearm you have now, they will send you a laser round for it fits right in there. When you depress the trigger on that safely unloaded weapon, it's an inert round. It only emits a laser. 
that smartphone app will detect exactly where your shots are landing. You will see on an actual target. So you can drive fire and you'll see where the rounds would have gone. iTarget Pro is completely safe, comes with a caliber-specific laser bullet and a target system. Target system, you can begin training immediately. It's better than getting your dad some kind of a necktie or a mug as well. If you want to go buy this for your for a father, loved one in your life, wife, uh, first-time firearm owner, it makes a great gift. It's also great for you. It's available in 223 and 556 for those of you who own AR-15s out there. You can save time, save money, take your skill to the next level safely and effectively with iTarget Pro. That's the letter I itargetpro.com, itargetpro.com, itargetpro.com. Use my promo code for 10% off. The promo code is Dan. itargetpro.com, promo code Dan for 10% off. Don't forget, really great system. Improve your proficiency overnight. I got people sending me emails. Their targets go from this to this quickly. It's that good of a system. itargetpro.com, use promo code Dan. Okay, moving on. Joe, is that a just so I can yeah. kind of yeah, I, tie I that up? It. Was it a little confusing? It was a little could murky, be, but I think you did a did a pretty good job of it. There's just, just yeah. so much stuff there, you know, it's hard to condense it. It is. Just understand that the time period in question, December to May, yeah. the yeah. FBI and the upper level man know they have damning information, emails and texts, where the FBI themselves is questioning a source. That source is steel in their cabal. They know this information's garbage as they're swearing to it. That's the takeaway, uh, hence Tom Fitton's tweet. And the reason I put that Epic Times piece up is because I believe Brennan was using that source as well, feeding that information to the FBI and pretending it wasn't coming from the same guy, Steele. Okay. So when the FBI yeah, yeah. hears it for the second time from Brennan, they're like, oh, that sounds legit. That's why Brennan's running away from Okey it. Okey um, But it's important you understand that because all this is going to come out soon. All right, moving on. Um, I said yesterday I was going to talk about this piece. I've got a couple. I got some crazy video, by the way, of de Blasio. We just, it's so fun. Joe cleaned it up. It's hysterical. Don't miss it. It's yeah. coming up. But I wanted to address this in regards to the economy because it feeds into my three R's theory, right? Uh, Russian collusion, the hoax, and the media is tran you know, transitioning seamlessly from hoax to hoax to hoax. So it was the Russian collusion hoax. Then it's the Trump is a racist hoax. And now they're moving on to the recession hoax. There's no recession. There may be. Government spending's out of control. I hope there isn't. But there's no recession now. There's no evidence that there's a, there's mm. a recession. But the media loves to promote a recession because they hate Donald Trump and they want to see a recession, as Bill Maher indicated on his own show. And they keep pointing to this inverted yield curve. I wanted to kind of uh, unscrew this yield curve inversion thing to you because it keeps getting cited in the media. And it's tough for a lot of people to digest what it means and why the media keeps using it as evidence a recession is near. Um, here's this article in the Wall Street Journal that was really well done. It was from yesterday. It's in yesterday's show notes. It's by subscription only, but you may be able to get into it. It's really good. It's worth your time. Andy Puzder and John Hartley, recession fears are overblown. The yield curve is no longer a reliable predictor and other economic indicators are strong. So let's put out the broken media hypothesis first. They're saying the inverted yield curve, which means interest rates paid on bonds, short term and long term, it inverted. Now, in a normal functioning economy, ladies and gentlemen, just think this through. Mm -hmm. The interest you would demand to lend someone money on a long timeline, 10 years, is pretty much always going to be higher than if you're lending them that money overnight or for a few weeks. Why? Well, it's simple. Just think it through. Mm -hmm. If you're lending your buddy money for 10 years, his risk, he could go bankrupt. Yeah. yeah right? Yeah. His risk, he, God forbid, he could die. He could yeah, get exactly. into a, a medical bankruptcy. He could just not like you anymore and say, I'm not paying that back. Mm -hmm. 
So people who lend money long-term typically demand more compensation from their risk and therefore a higher interest rate, higher payments for them. Very simple. Short-term, it's not that much. If I'm lending Joe money for a couple weeks, I know Joe's going to pay. It's really not that much of a risk. I'd probably just say, you don't even worry about the interest, Joe. Just take it. You know, that's how it works. So what happens is, Low interest rates uh, for for short-term lending because there's pretty low risk. Higher interest rates. Well, what's happening and what's happened before pretty much every recession is that yield, the yield, the interest rate, inverts. And by inverts, I mean long-term interest rates are lower than short-term ones. Now, why is that? Well, there are a lot of theories as to why that happens, but one of the generally accepted ones is people, before a recession, businesses start to see a bad economic environment ahead. They're uncertain about the economic conditions in the future. So they see in the future there's not going to be a lot of good investment opportunities and a lot of return on their money. So they rush into buying stuff, say 10-year and 5-year bonds, folks, because they just want to lock in basically whatever return they can get. You get what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In other yeah. words, that's, that's an easy one, yeah. Uh, long-term becomes a real risk because you think the economy's going to stink. Mm. So you're like, okay, what is it, 1%? I Just give me the 1%. I just don't want to lose my money. Okay. So that's what, that's what typically happens, huh, and people okay. rush into longer-term stuff. They stay away in general from the short-term stuff, and because they rush to buy the stuff, the interest rate drops. Why? Because there's so much demand for this long-term stuff that the people loaning, loaning the money say, well, I'm not going to give you, if I got 20 buyers for it, why would I give Joe five per, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. going to give him 5% interest. This guy's willing to take only two. Mm-hmm. Simple supply demand. The, yeah. the, the demand for long-term stuff gets high. People start to supply more. You know, the, 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 the price and uh, the, you know, the yield goes down. You don't have to pay as much. That's what's happening. Now, the yield curve has inverted, the 1030 and others. That's back to uh, the non-inverted now. But Puzder's piece is great because, folks, I believe the yield curve's inverting now. For And I said this on, I think it was Judge Janine's show on Saturday. I didn't have the time to explain it. It's just, unfortunately, the clips are short. You got to be brief. But the judge asked me about that, about the yield curve. And I said, I think it's more of a monetary phenomenon right now. Ladies and gentlemen, here's why the yield curve is inverting now. I don't believe it's because businesses think there's going to be a recession. The Treasury Department, to fund our outrageous deficits, outrageous. We're looking at a trillion dollar deficit this year alone. Unbelievable. I mean, these are Obama year deficits. I don't care who's in charge. We're spending too much money. In a rush, Joe, to fund... To fund all this, Mm -hmm. the Treasury's issuing a whole boatload of short-term, short-term U.S. government-denominated assets, which people are scooping up. People are scooping up, they're flooding the market with these things. It's causing, basically, the yields to rise as the prices go down, because the yields and prices move in the opposite direction, Mm. for the reasons I stated before. So the yields are either stable or rising a little bit because they're flooding the market with these short-term assets. On the long-term side, people are rushing uh, to buy on long-term U.S. government assets as well, long-term, because there are negative yields around the world. 
The bottom line is it's not a reflection of, I think, business sentiment. It's more a reflection of the poor rest of the world's economy and negative interest rates there, as Puzder indicates in his piece, and 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 the flooding of the market with these short-term uh, bonds to fund their government, these ridiculous assets. Bottom line is this. Don't let the media panic you about a recession. It may happen. It may but the yield curve doesn't mean what it used to. It's not a reflection necessarily on business sentiment. I think it's more of a reflection of the flooding of the market and simple supply demand and the lack of investment opportunities around the world right now. Mm-hmm. I've been dying to get to that, but it's important. Remember with bonds, prices and yields move in the opposite direction. Uh-huh. You know, if you 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 know you uh, you build a if if a bunch of people are looking to buy your bond, you're not going to pay them top dollar in interest rates. If a bunch of people, you're going to pay them as little as you can. You know, if people want to borrow my money, I'm not, I'm not going to give them 5% if I only have to pay them 1%. That's why they move in the opposite direction. All right. Um, moving on, because there's been so much going on. I, I don't want to miss out on the stories. This has been a stacked news week. Trump mentioned yesterday at the White House, he's looking at, again, uh, getting rid of birthright citizenship. The tenet that if you were born in the United States, you are, in fact, a citizen. I think this is a good idea. Now, liberal myths, of course, liberals wake up in the morning and have to lie to you. They'll insist to you the 14th Amendment, as we can see here, uh, indicates that that this birthright is in the Constitution. Ladies and gentlemen, it is not in the Constitution. Let me read to you the 14th Amendment, Section 1. All persons born or naturalized in the United States and and subject to the jurisdiction thereof. Mm Mm-hmm are citizens of the United States in the state wherein they reside. Notice what this doesn't say. It doesn't say all persons born in the United States are citizens of the United States. That's not what it says. Because the liberals and the media are already saying, well, Trump would have to change the Constitution. Now, there is some ambiguity based on some court rulings about what and subject to the jurisdiction thereof means, to be fair and give you both sides. But there has never been a Supreme Court ruling saying conclusively, if you are born here, no caveats at all, you are a U.S. citizen. That is not what it says. There are two different kinds of jurisdiction. This has kind of been a deep show today. I'm sorry if it's like a yeah, little it much, has, dude. but it's important. There's a yeah. lot going on. I know. I know we're digging into some complicated yeah, stuff. It's good. But it's Just really di- important. Yeah. Be- yeah, we need it. Liberals will lie to you constantly. It's up to us to clear the fog and get to the facts. Liberals want you to believe that that line, all persons born here and subject to the jurisdiction thereof, means territorial jurisdiction. In other words, liberals want you to believe that it is a settled matter that if you are born in our territory, United States territory, you're a citizen. Folks, there is a strong body of historical texts and documents indicating that when this was written, after the, the, thankfully, the abolition of slavery, that that is not what it was meant to mean. A lot of constructionists, original, uh, originalists in the Constitution, and people who, who have read the historical text here, believe it means political jurisdiction. In other words, if you were born to two American citizen par- uh, parents in France... You are a citizen because you end subject to the jurisdiction of you are subject to the political jurisdiction of the United States based on your parents being citizens. Mm. Vice versa. If two foreign diplomats 
are working in the United States and give birth to a child. They are not U.S. citizens. They're ambassadors, diplomats, bureaucrats, and subject to the political jurisdiction of another country. That child is not a citizen, even though they were born in the territory. Mm -hmm. The distinction is clear. Now, again, to be fair and give you the full argument, there would likely be a significant court fight if Trump were to move to push this. There's absolutely no doubt. And the court records and the historical texts are not crystal clear on this. But that buttresses our argument, not the left's. The left wants you to believe. So I got to move on. Some other stuff here. It's a Blasio video. I can't wait for it. It's so funny. But the left wants you to believe it's a decided matter. They are referring to territorial jurisdiction. If you were born in the United States, you were a citizen. That has not been decided in the courts. Full stop. It is an open question that Trump is fair and, and free and fair to entertain. If they mean political jurisdiction and two citizens of Mexico, Guatemala, Canada, or somewhere else come here solely to have a child in an effort to gain citizenship for that child, and none of those, uh, neither of the parents are subject to the political jurisdiction of the United States based on their citizenship, then Trump is fair to, free and fair to ask the question, is that child in fact a citizen? Don't believe the liberal hype. They're making it up that this is a decided issue. It is not. Territorial jurisdiction and political jurisdiction has never been conclusively decided. Don't believe the nonsense. The media will lie to you endlessly. It's actually embarrassing uh, what they've been doing, what they're up to. All right, uh, last sponsor today, and I want to get to de Blasio and uh, another, you know, everything liberals touch, <laughs> they destroy because it's just, did I, oh, no, I didn't. Man. I'm looking at my stories and a number today. Uh, today's show also brought to you by buddies at Bravo Company Manufacturing. Ladies and gentlemen, these are the finest rifles and pistols on the market. A nice email from a guy about a week ago. You know who you are. Said that uh, what I, you know, what I've been talking about about Bravo Company Manufacturing, the rifles and pistols. He said you, you're darn right. These are the best in the business. I told you. Um, the email was pretty great. It was effusive praise for these products. I, they sent me a couple, and when I picked them up at the local firearms dealer, the FFL, he said to me, I don't think you understand how good these are. These are the best rifles and pistols on the market. If you're in a, the market for a rifle and you're looking for life-saving equipment, again, this is not a sporting arms company, go to bravocompanymfg.com. That's bravocompanymfg.com. Check them out. Ladies and gentlemen, they manufacture their rifles in Heartland, Wisconsin. Bravo Company Manufacturing is not a sporting arms company. They design and engineer, manufacture, life-saving equipment. BCM assumes that when a rifle leaves their shop, it will be used in a life-or-death situation by a responsible citizen, police officer, or someone in our military. Quality is all that matters to them. That is it. Every component of a BCM rifle is hand-assembled and tested by Americans in Heartland, Wisconsin to a life-saving standard. Again, this isn't a sporting arms company. These are serious people in the business of saving lives with life-saving equipment. BCM puts people before their products. They feel it's their moral responsibility to provide tools that will not fail when the end user knows that it's not just a paper target. God forbid you're in a situation you need to save the life or the life of another. Folks, BCM knows that making reliable life-saving tools is only half the story. They work with leading instructors of marksmanship from top levels of American Special Forces, Marine Corps Force Recon to Army Special Forces, and they connect them with other Americans. These top instructors then teach the skills necessary to defend yourself, your family, and others. To learn more, Go to bravocompanymfg.com, 
Bravo Company, MFG.com, or check out their YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Bravo Company USA, finest in the business, Bravo Company, MFG.com. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> so yesterday, you may have seen this. I usually don't do kind of comic relief stuff on the show because I've only got an hour with you, but this, this is worth it only because it's so funny. You may have seen it last night on Tucker and some of the Fox channels. So here's the backstory. Um, communist mayor of New York, uh, comrade Bill de Blasio. Um, de Blasio was supposed to fly out to this union uh, get-together gathering to speak to them. I believe it was out in Iowa. His flight gets canceled. I don't know what it was, weather or regardless. But de Blasio, of course, doesn't want to give up the opportunity to propagandize people. So he says, you know what? Uh, I can't make it, but let me talk uh, via the Internet. I don't know if he did a Skype or whatever. So they est they established the connection uh, with comrade de Blasio. And the speech begins. So what you're going to hear is this is the guy running the conference who's about to introduce him. <laughs> and I want you to listen very clearly. Hat tip Joe for cleaning this up. I want you to listen Thanks. to what happens to the audio and hapless comrade de Blasio at his 1% as he's beginning to speak. Listen to this. This is hysterical. Check this out. Our next speaker was unable to make his flight, uh, but still wanted to join us through video conferencing. Uh, our next candidate to speak is the mayor of New York City, Mayor Bill de Blasio. Thank you. Hey, thank you, everybody. I'm so happy with you, and I, I apologize. I couldn't be there in person. I had a canceled flight and could not get to you by my time slot. But I want to just say, before I get into anything about why I'm running for president and what we have to do in this country, I want to thank you for the fight you're waging every day. <laughs> oh, no. What the? <laughs> so somebody so Joe Joe I'm not an audio guy I didn't discuss this I don't want to put you on this I didn't discuss no, it with you before okay. the show but what do you think happened the folks by the way that's not a joke like we Joe we didn't mess with no. that's really how the audio sounded yeah. and Paul is like why isn't anybody laughing and I'm like uh, maybe they were just in uh -huh. shock they thought it was a scam a joke what yeah. do you think happened did they set the settings on the audio what, I, yeah, I don't know what it, happened with that it could be uh, audio settings it could be a compression issue uh, a codec issue of <laughs> coding and encoding uh, it's something like that um, you hear that kind of noise occasionally in a, in a Skype call you know, it goes up a little bit. Can you, you know? imagine yeah. that? You're sitting there. Yeah. And Paula brought up a great point this morning. She's imagine, right? You're de Blasio. You don't know, right? I, oh, obviously, dude, he doesn't no, know. You, don't know. You, know, <laughs> you know, he sounds like someone's got a rubber band on some of his body parts. Uh, oh. Obviously, de Blasio doesn't know this. So she goes, imagine this, right? De Blasio's trying to talk tough. And imagine trying to sound <laughs> tough with a, with a voice digitally manipulated like that. So de Blasio's like, you gotta take the fight. We're gonna fight like a Newt Rocky speech. We're gonna fight a Winston Churchill. We're gonna fight on the beaches. We're gonna fight on the shore. We're gonna fight on the sky. We are gonna fight on land, on sea. We're gonna fight, 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 fight. And everybody in the audience is like, uh, 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 dude, dude, what? they're like, Bernie, stop talking, please, Comrade De Blasio. I mean, he's talking. He doesn't realize that he's in this high pitched voice, and he's, I gotta fight. We're going to fight on! We will not back up! And everybody in the audience has to be sitting there like, wait, is this some kind of a joke? They're, you know, listen, union workers are, 
Whether you're pro or anti-union, I grew up in a union household, yeah, and I know a lot of union guys, electricians, steel workers. Yeah. These are tough guys. I mean, really tough guys. Like, farm boy strong, tough guys with serious calluses on their hand, mm-hmm. dirt under their fingernails. Again, I don't, I, I have no, I'm not an anti-union guy. I'm an anti-monopoly guy. I always celebrate the, the, the manual laborers and, uh, you know, the, the, um, the, the skilled cra- craftsmen in this country that built this country. You guys and women are great. They are super tough. But can you imagine sitting in a room listening to this communist mayor in New York who's never had a real <laughs> job in his life? This guy couldn't even, you know, uh, uh, he can't even manufacture ice. He's so f- uh, physically incapable of doing anything. And he got a fight. Well, I gotta find out. They have to be looking at each other like this is the worst speech. I mean, there are people who I doubt anyone support him. He's got zero support. But if he had one percent in the room, the one percent walked around after that. They were like, "Now I'm definitely not voting that for the Biden." Like that's the one speech he. That's it. He's down from 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 zero point zero five percent to zero 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 percent. He now has no support in that room at all. How embarrassing! <laughs> but that was a great point by Paula. She's like, "Can you imagine trying to sound tough and your voice oh, is yeah. coming?" He doesn't even know. This guy's campaign, ladies and gentlemen, is doomed. It's over. Just let it go, Bill. I'm going to cover this, I think. Um, you know, I told you I'm filling in for Hannity oh, on Friday. I appreciate it if you tune in. But at the end of the Tucker show on Friday, I always do my news explosion. I'll be doing it right before <laughs> I fill in for Hannity. I am going. I, this has to be included. So tune in on Friday that too. This is going to be one of my top three stories of the week. It may be number one. Bill de Blasio's just absolutely cursed presidential <laughs> campaign. I got to fight. I'm not, I got to fight. Oh, man. What a clown. Total joker. <laughs> All right. I got one last story, but before I get to that, <laughs> so stupid. I, um, I bring this up often, quite a bit, on a very serious note. Segways are always tough from funny stuff to serious stuff, but it's yeah. worth mentioning. You know, I, I get a I got a Facebook message from a guy. You know who you are, regular listener. I responded. I don't get to respond to all the Facebook messages anymore because I just get a lot of them. I read them though, folks. And I'm sorry for doing that. I I would really love to be more interactive, but the reality is I have to work for a living, and we get a lot. I do read them. I just can't respond to every single one. But we get a lot of messages out there from. I think it's because I brought it up once on the show from former addicts, people who've had substance abuse issues in the past, mm. who are fighting those demons, and they're tough. And with it running in my family, I want you to know that those particular emails mean a lot to me and that those of you out there suffering with substance abuse issues, you know, listen, I'm not your preacher, man. I'm not trying to be anybody's like uh, saving grace. That's not my goal. I'm just here to tell you that this show, you are always welcome here and your emails and your, your, you sharing your personal experiences with me really matters. It's in, you know, it's run in my family for a very, very long time. Um, I don't personally know the experience of it, and I thank the Lord for that every day. Um, but people I love and adore have battled it their entire lives, and you are always welcome here. Always, um, you know, you matter, man. You matter to me. Your words matter to me. Um, it's actually very inspirational hearing that because I know the power these things have over you. I've seen it. I've seen it collapse lives. Oh, man, um, it, it's. I know you do too, Joe. You yeah, know about buddy. it, and I know you. You know, it's. The power it takes over and, 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 and the willpower it takes every day, you know, to wake up and combat this is strong. And I deeply, deeply appreciate your emails. You are always welcome here. You matter. You matter to me. You matter to your families, you know, and, and I just hope even if you have a bad day, you have that relapse that you realize that there's always a tomorrow and there's always that opportunity to be a better man tomorrow than you were today or woman. 
But you're always welcome here. So again, just a quick thank you. I get a lot of those mm -hmm. and I haven't had the opportunity in a while just to express my deep gratitude to people who are suffering with that. You know, we're all sinners, folks. Everybody's waging our own battle, whether it's with substance abuse, alcohol, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll, whatever it may be. We've mm -hmm. all got our own vices. That's yours. We've all got our own fights. You're always welcome on this show. We love you here, man. And, and woman, you matter. You matter to me. So thanks a lot. Um, all right, moving on. Last story of the day. Again, we've had a lot during the week. I haven't been able to get to because the Spygate stuff is breaking. And forgive me if that was a little convoluted or confusing today, but it's essential you understand what exactly they're hiding. So that's why I got to that. This is a story I've been holding for a bit too. There's a story in the Wall Street Journal about, again, everything liberals touch, they burn down and destroy. It's a cancer. It's a forest fire. Liberalism can't figure anything out because liberalism is based on the fatal conceit, to quote Hayek. The idea that government bureaucrats can manage an economy better than people who have skin in the game can, which is on its face a very absurd, ridiculous idea. So I don't, you can't point out to me a situation where the government has managed something and done it better than the private sector. Matter of fact, it's fascinating because when you talk to liberals, liberals will cite these examples of government successes, and even the examples they cite are failures in disguise. I'll give you just a quick example. <laughs> I was listening to, right, this is, you're going to hear this a lot. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to prepare you for debating in this 2020 cycle because, you know, a lot of you work for a living. This is what I do. Yeah. I get to read all day and put this together. You know, a lot of you don't get to do it. You're out getting dirt under your fingernails working for a living. So my goal is to get you prepared in snippets. Liberals will say to you, well, you know, the government can do a lot of things better. I mean, look, you know, DARPA, they invented the internet. That was a defense project uh -huh. funded by the government. They'll say things like the government, you know, they were, they, were, they were an integral part of inventing fracking. Well, I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts, Econ Talk by Russ Roberts. It's a once a weeker, comes out on Monday. It's an hour long. It's pretty wonky, but Russ is a really brilliant guy. He doesn't share a lot of my political views, but he's brilliant. And he had an interesting guy on last week. That liberals use that example all the time. Look, the government is, they're better at investing. Look at the internet. Thanks yeah. to DARPA. DARPA did that. Well, Russ had this guy on this weekend. He's like, that's actually totally not true. There's a guy at DARPA who worked at DARPA. I believe his name was Bob Taylor. And this guy, Bob Taylor, actually left DARPA and went to work at, you know, outside of the government. And to this, uh, you know, to this day, you can look at his writings where he says, the government, the DARPA didn't invent the internet. The DARPA funded thing was a project between like colleges and universities where they could talk to each other. The idea that the internet would connect the world instantly through websites and email, that was not DARPA's idea. That was in the outside. The private sector did that. My whole point is this, is that, and the fracking thing, the government, oh, they invented fracking. No, they actually didn't. They had one research study about some, uh, what is this guy, George Mitchell or someone puts it, about foam in the ground or something like that. Uh -huh. And the, the fracking industry used the study, but it wasn't like the genesis of fracking. And the whole point of the thing is when government gets involved in an industry, what they do is they take money from the private sector that probably would have invented the product faster and better. <laughs> now, from the Wall Street Journal piece, the government took over the student loan industry. All right. We were told, well, when they take over student loans, this is going to be just terrific and peachy. The government's going to make a lot of money. Well, James Freeman in Wall Street Journal today writes, Elizabeth Warren's crisis has arrived. She claimed taxpayers would profit from the scam that helped make her rich. She's talking about the whole student loan industry in the universities. From the piece where they actually cite another piece I read in the Wall Street Journal the day before. Ladies and gentlemen, we were told when the government took over the student loan industry, we were going to make oodles of money. Well, 
there's Warren made headlines recently by predicting an economic crisis, but the crisis has already arrived for taxpayers. I'm quoting the piece and her fingerprints are all over it. The journal explains, listen to this folks. Since the government's taken over the student loan industry, 10% of the $1.5 trillion federal student loan portfolio is 30 days or more past due. Another 20% is in deferment or forbearance. And about 30% is in income-based repayment plans that allow most borrowers to cap monthly payments at 10% of discretionary income and discharge the remaining balance after 20 years or 10 years for folks in, quote, public service. What does this mean to you, ladies and gentlemen? (laughs) That means the cost to taxpayers is estimated by professionals looking at this, the cost to you to pay for other people's college that was supposed to make the government oodles of money. Because they're so good at dictating loan terms and determining creditworthiness and not subjecting the loans to political influence. We've got to make more loans to these people and those people. You are about to lose over 10 years, 306 <laughs> billion with a B dollars. Failures billion in dollars. disguise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Transformers. <laughs> Failure. They got rest of it. I just, I, I, yeah, so what's, in a, what's in a blue moon? I'll actually pick one of those up. Yeah. You are about to lose a third of a trillion dollars oh. paying for other people's college <laughs> because the government couldn't determine the credit risk of these people and had to succumb later to a political thing. Well, if you go oh. in public service, we'll dismiss a lot of that. The government doesn't have the knowledge to do all this. The fatal conceit, Hayek's idea, the government thinks it's smart enough to manage this stuff. If it was, it'd be in the private sector. It wouldn't be in the government. There are people who have skin in the game in banks who make these loans to students based on their ability to repay in the future. The government doesn't do any of that. They take into account political considerations, and therefore we're losing a fortune. There you go. Yes, sir. They can't get anything right. My gosh, free college. It's already free. It's not free. It's already costing us $300 billion and it's not even free yet. Wait till it's free. Then you're really going to see the price go up. All right, folks. Thanks again for tuning in. I really oh, appreciate man. it. Um, I, again, I know today's show is a little complicated, but once in a while, we got to do deep dives into these topics so it makes sense when we get into you know the election issues and you'll, you'll have some kind of base so we can argue and debate with our liberal friends. It matters. Remember, you're never arguing with the liberal. They're unconvincible. You're arguing with the liberals so that the third person listening, who is somewhat impressionable, understands we're on the right side of this. All right, thanks again for tuning in. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Bongino. Also subscribe to our audio podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud as well. The subscriptions help us move up the charts. We really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, folks. I'll see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino. Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but... Are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone, as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to, be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening wherever you listen.